Heidi, Heidi, Heidi ho. Hello, hello, hello. This is me. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I pulled it off. I got home. You'd think I was making a stir fry today because I just had a big walk. Ha 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 ha. Do they call it walks everywhere? If you're listening to this somewhere where they don't call it walks, it's it's like a big bowl that you make a stir fry in. All right. Fun. That was fun. It's always fun. Deconstructing comedy. My name is Nick Flanagan. What do I do? I don't know. I was 13. Uh... Started going to co- uh, co- uh, rock shows, went to a few comedy shows. My friends and I liked to joke around. I started making bands where the lyrics were goofy. Then I started doing stand-up as sort of a, in kind of a outre manner. Independent tours, band tours. Then I started writing kids' TV some web series in the early days of web series. Now, if you don't know anything about the early days of web series, really nobody saw those web series. You saw Yacht Rock. You saw a couple others. None of the other ones ever got seen. But you can Google Moderation Town and see what I was all about in my sweet, sweet 20s. Then, finally, I achieved my dream and I moved to Los Angeles And then the visa expired and I came back to Toronto. And now I'm here in Toronto. There's a pandemic. We're at at, uh, over a year now. It's starting to wind, uh, wind down. It's starting to change. I don't really know how to describe what's happening. The city I'm living in, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, not the only city in Canada, And I'm saying that to myself. I'm saying that to all the people in Toronto. I know what you think, you Torontonians. I'm frickin' from fear. You're you're thinking, hey, uh, so the country of Canada has a population of whatever the population of Toronto is. (laughs) There is no national news. There is only Toronto news. Well, I have something to tell you. There's a big country with lots of different people who are doing different things. And you could be living in Moose Jaw, you could be living in Owen Sound, you could be living in Waterdown, you could be living in St. John's. As long as you're donating to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan, you're my friend, and I like you better than your average person from Toronto who is not giving me money. If you'd like to write me, please write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. That's W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. How are you doing? Well, I hope. I really hope you're feeling good. I know it's hard. Oh, my God, is it ever hard? In spite of all of this, if you're someone who has managed to keep working through this, I I don't know what feelings you're happen, having, but I, I'm sure you're grateful, most likely, and maybe you're a little jealous. And I'm not saying that like to be a dink dunk. I'm saying, you know, you're seeing people, at least in this country, you know, getting a little subsistence pay, being able to stay in, stay safe. Meanwhile, you're going to your job at Mr. Greengrocer, putting stuff in bags, mopping up the droplets of cracker buyers. And you're like, why me? And we don't have a $15 minimum wage, so 
just saying. It's fourteen fifty or something. Um, and then if you're a couple, you know, those are that's challenging during this period of time. If you don't live together, it's like, you know, I don't know, I don't, like kind of strange. If you're living together, that's a lot of exposure. Then if you're alone, as I've kind of been for the last few months, uh, last two months, um, it's intense. You get really, I, I understand that when you do, tr you, there's really no way not to be mad. There's no amount of people that can get in touch with you that will make it feel like nobody is getting in touch with you. Does that make it, that will not make it feel like nobody is getting in touch with you. There is, you could hear from 20 people in a day and you'll be like, I need more. I've got three uh, non-human companions here right now. They're, one is 16, very old, very little. The other one is like one. He's little, but he's all thick. He's a terrier, you know. They have a weight to them. And then I got this eight-year-old who's like a retriever collie mix, and he's he's grand, but, you know, he's he's mischievous. And they can't laugh at me. They can smile at me, which I really like. But they don't smile when I joke around. They smile when, uh, you know, they're happy to see me, which is, is just the the bomb. You guys know what AAVE is? African American Vernacular English. AAVE. There is a YouTuber named T Noir who has a wonderful uh, video that touches on that. And I'm sure there's lots of other interesting videos about it on the web. And I'm sure you could read, read all about it. But um, I'm only saying, bringing it up because when I use AAVE, nine times out of 10, it's going to be from like the 90s or 80s. You know, I'm not really going to say lit that much. What's the T? Um, where's the T? Can I have some T? Is this T? What is T? T? I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say, uh, I might say church, which is like a Snoop Dogg one. I mean, he didn't invent it, but I feel like he put that in the popular mainstream sort of around the time he, he had that album that had beautiful on it. But that's super old too. That's like 20 years old. So it's not like that makes me a, uh, like with the times person. So I guess what I'm saying is my, my, Hey guys, I'm podcasting. My cultural appropriation is uh, date dated for whatever that's worth. Anyway, AAVE give credit where credit's due. Most slang comes from it. Except I was actually listening to that same vlogger, T Noir, and she was talking about Paris Hilton today. And Paris Hilton, you know, that's hot. I don't think that's AAVE, so she actually didn't culturally appropriate. But there is a video of her in a club using the N-word, so. so there's that. Anyway, I got a nice email from a listener named Fiona. 
Now, Fiona is a really nice supporter of the podcast. Lots of people have been so kind this year, sent me nice messages, uh, donated stuff. It's it's so awesome. I really appreciate it. Uh, I won't read the whole letter because some of it is just, um, I don't know, personal. <laughs> but she did mention she, she's enjoying Brutal Nights, my old band, which is really cool. And uh, then this is what I, I thought I'd... Uh, I, I'd, I'd talk about I, I mentioned before that I do answer letters on the podcast I also got a letter from Adam but it was about some Amazon Prime uh, <laughs> documentaries I haven't watched yet so maybe if I give those a watch I'll be able to answer his little email about it but maybe I'll answer it privately he's a cool guy anyway so Fiona goes I don't know if this is something you would talk about on an NFW but I was wondering if you feel like it would have made a difference in your life to have had an ADHD diagnosis as a kid. Also, if you have any advice, obviously very general, for neurodivergent kids. Well, there are a lot of resources for them now and even a sense of community, they still walk through a deeply neurotypical world every day, very much parallel to LBTQI plus communities and the fucking endless resilience of cis-heteronormativity. I'm not suggesting a special address to kids. <laughs> you know, the fact is, I did do a meditation for children. I'm, I'm, I'll get into that in a second, but just thought you might have some feelings about this you could share. Thanks. Great question, Fiona. Great question. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, if I had had an ADHD diagnosis as a kid. And I think I had, uh, when I had Jamie Peck on and she was talking about ADHD um, and her diagnosis, you know, she had the same kind of experience as me, I think, where like she was diagnosed later and she was like, why didn't you tell me, mom? And uh, my, I didn't like, I don't know if my parents thought I had ADHD. I think it with a lot of parents when it doesn't get, uh, addressed. It, it's probably because, you know, maybe they've had a lot of challenges that way because it is a genetic thing and they don't want to have to maybe think about like them having ADHD and what that might mean. I don't know. I mean, I know you didn't ask why your parents would do it. Uh, would, would not um, get you the diagnosis, but I do think it's it's interesting, right? Like, kids are in the dark so much about, like, our rights, their rights, you know? I, like, it takes a pretty engaged child to go, I think I have ADHD. Can you test me? And it, especially in the 80s and 90s, it, it took a lot of, uh, a special kind of teacher to, uh, or, or parent to say, you know, I wonder if it's ADHD because there's so many other variables that come into it, like dyslexia, you know, there's a lot more stories about being diagnosed with dyslexia than there are about being diagnosed with ADHD. I'm talking about in the eighties, you know, like you'd always hear, Oh, uh, Charlie Sheen has dyslexia. He doesn't, but you know, Tom Cruise, very famously dyslexic. And the reason I bring up dyslexia is because it's, uh, often um, a, a comorbidity, so to speak, although I don't know if anyone's ever died of dyslexia or ADHD, but um, 
So I, I think I, I, I'm, it's hard for me to step out of the time I was born in. And like I did go to like a psychologist one time, but I, I don't I think he just said, well, you know, he's like on the border of like having some kind of learning thing. I don't even know what that means. And I wasn't really told that when it happened. I mean, essentially, I was bad at math. Like, I was like classic ADHD. Like, the things I loved, which was a lot of, in school, there, it was a lot of topics, you know, I'd be engaged in. But when it would like jump ahead a level and I couldn't understand the leap, you know, I would lose interest and feel discouraged. Um, and then there were even things where like in school, you know, drama was a, a subject I, I was I, I loved and and um, in high school and I did very well in that class. But my teacher didn't really. I don't know, like she didn't really push me or say I had anything special. In fact, a couple of times she like singled out other people in the class, even though I had the highest award. I got the drama award in like my final drama class. But, you know, it just didn't work out in a way where I had a super encouraging teacher. I mean, all I'm trying to say is you need all of these factors. Encouragement is so important, you know, and hang on one second. I'm back. I'm back. And uh, I'm going to continue answering this question. I feel like I went on a very ADHD tangent there, though, talking about my specific experience being diagnosed. But I mean, the short answer is yes, it would have been nice to be diagnosed with ADHD. I think it would have given given me an early um, warning about impulse control. And I think that would have been very helpful to have. But whatever, didn't happen. So it's fine, you know, and uh, just because I'm far from the only one and I don't really think about, oh, like, what if it had been different? Because I don't know. I'm here. I've done some interesting stuff. You know, it's uh, it's a whole thing. And uh, that's okay. And I'm very glad that there's more attention paid to it right now with kids. Um, and just in terms of what I would say to like any neurodivergent kids is just like, you know, just just because you have a slight label, it doesn't mean that you're not your own person. It doesn't mean that your choices are out of your control. And uh, there's nothing wrong with you. That's the main thing I'd say. There's nothing wrong with you. Uh, in fact, you existing uh, will help shape a society that further validates who you are. So, you know, be proud and don't get too wrapped up in the idea that you know, having ADHD or being neurodivergent is an identity unto itself. It is something that requires accommodations, perhaps. Perhaps. But I worry about that with social media because, you know, there is a very helpful, vibrant ADHD, you know, social media presence. But sometimes I wonder, you know, uh, 
people try to make universal some of the uh, symptoms that we have, and they're all very specific. Not all of us are distracted by squirrels, although I note every squirrel I see. Some of us are good at math. Some of us are bad. You know, it's it's not, there is no box in there. So, and, and famously, you know, it is an individualized uh, thing, ADHD specifically. It's something that is really affected by the home life you have, the schooling you have, your own personality, and that is where the challenges arise. So yes, there are some definite things that are um, constant or pop up a lot, but just if you if you find that's another thing I say to kids, if you find your challenges are not being described and that you feel alone in them, um, that's not a bad thing. And people still want to hear that stuff. And here's a classic. You aren't alone. So that is what I would say to kids. And I, I hope that helps. I uh, also wanted to talk about gifted. Um, because that was something I went to in in school. The gifted program through grades four, five, and six, I believe, uh, in case you're unfamiliar with this program. I guess it's still going on, maybe, but I feel like it was definitely an 80s, 90s thing. And my wings are on the way. <laughs> I ordered wings. I had a Passover Seder. Online, I went to a secular humanist Passover Seder from the Orenu congregation. My mother bought me the ticket. And uh, then I was like, you know, we've, the Jews, we've had a tough go of it. I'll order food tonight. So buffalo butter wings are coming my way. I don't think I can have dairy, but let's just, let's just move on. Back to gifted programs. Um... Once a week, they cart you off with other kids to uh, a day class, essentially, where you are given kind of a project for the year. And uh, there, I don't remember any of the lessons, but they give lessons and you have recess. I mean, it's. And uh, I certainly was like a creatively minded kid. But part of me wonders about the term gifted and if they also used it for kids whose interests were very specific, who were sparked uh, by specific topics. Because one thing they made us do was uh, pick our own project that we wanted to make. And it was very cute. The one year I remember, uh, I wanted to do one on dinosaurs. And I actually wrote a letter to the, the Royal Ontario Museum asking for, I don't even know, some research information on dinosaurs and they sent me back a bunch of like pictures they developed for me of the dinosaurs in their exhibits and then I used them in the project isn't that sweet so you know the gifted program and when I feel more cynical I go oh that was just like sort of spe partly special ed but for kids who liked you know to write stories or something but I don't think it's that simple. I think it was a means of uh, drawing out 
uh, your strengths or something. Uh, I certainly do think I benefited from it, but you know, I, I think it's a bit of an intense name for a program. And part of my failure, uh, failure, <laughs> that's a good new word, failure. Now, part of my feelings of underachievement or something might even be related to the fact that there was even a shred of people saying I was special at one point and that I haven't met up, matched up with those standards. But who can say? Well, I think this has been just a treat of an episode. Fiona, thank you for asking such a great question. And uh, if anyone else has questions, W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. Love answering questions. I hope you're well. I hope you have a nice Passover if you're Jewish. Even if you're not, I do hope it's a nice day. And uh, don't listen to the nattering nabobs of negativity. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care, eh?